What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It presents our Marvel Pair-Up show. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Jamie Girard. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And if you are a longtime listener and probably a no-time caller, because this is a podcast, not an old-timey radio show where that would work, you know exactly what you're in for. And if you are a new listener, and what this is, is a spinoff of our main podcast, Hollywood Already Did It, where we discuss reboots, remakes, sequels, and adaptations, and instead are pairing up every Marvel Disney Plus show with the history of whatever that show is about. So with WandaVision, it was sitcoms, with Falcon the Winter Soldier, it was buddy cop movies, Loki, time travel. Now we are in Marvel's What If? So of course, we are looking at the multiverse of Marvel movies with the history of Marvel's non-MCU films. This week will be our seventh episode of Marvel What If, I think one that we've been waiting for this whole time, as well as the history of the Punisher movies before our finale, because I thought there were 10 episodes instead of nine, because why would that have not been a thing? Our eighth? This is the eighth one. We are in the penultimate episode, right before the finale. All of the pins are showing up. We have What If Ultron 1. Guys, take it away. What did you think? Terrence? You know, it's funny because I've been struggling through this what if. There are some episodes that I really like. Like I like the Hank Pym episode and I like, uh, of course, the Black Panther episode. I was like, oh, these are cool. But I never, I don't think I would have ever watched these again until this episode. This episode was the first episode that I was like, ah, this is what I've always wanted. Because it has that blend of being a badass action sequence as well, but also still giving me something that I've never actually seen before. And this is the first time that be honest i've been a lot of these times i've been like doing other things while i'm watching these episodes i'm like all right i'm on my phone i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm writing up this is the first time i was like i'm what is happening i am 100 invested and I, it sucks that it took the eighth episode for that to sort of get me all the way in like some of the live action ones have but this is the episode that i was like oh what is happening him ultron breaking the the, the wall of the multiverse and this like oh no i can see you now and I'm here and we're doing this. That was just bananas to me. And then just battling from sequence to sequence to sequence and, jo- and, and changing worlds, just seeing random stuff of like worlds that we'll never, possibly never get to see. It's Steve Rogers being a president in the background. I was like, what is, this is great. I love everything that they are giving me. Why couldn't we have this maybe three episodes sooner? Um, was sort of where I sat with this. But no, I thoroughly, this is by, this is by hands down, not even a question. I love this episode the best uh, of everything that we've gotten with What If. And I can't wait till next week. I do wish, I know we'll probably mention it. I've been annoyed a lot of times, but we'll get one actor who was from the live action stuff doing it in a non-voice actor. So the Blake Bell to Jeremy Renner, that's fine. Spader not being Ultron really bugged me. And like the fact that he was trying to put on a Spader affectation bothered me even more. Uh, I wish we either could have A, just had him do something completely different or we got Spader, but choose a lane. It's a little distracting when they're trying to impersonate whoever it is they're performing as. Because like with Lake Bell is Black Widow, she's just doing her Black Widow. And it works really well. And I think they got really lucky with uh, the actor, the voice actor playing Iron Man, because he does sound similar enough to Robert Downey Jr. And he also, I think, is taking his own like... I don't need to just do what RDJ did. I can do my own thing because like, why would you ever try to do that? It's like an impersonations, like SNL always has a presidential impersonation and that all the other impersonations are like 
you're not really doing W. Bush. You're doing Will Ferrell's W. Bush and run an imitation of an imitation of a copy of a copy of a copy. And with this guy, sometimes I was like, oh man, he's really like hitting it. And other times I was like, oh, this is just kind of distracting. I really wish, because this Ultron is so different right. from Spader's Ultron that it would have made sense to just go do your, do your own, own, own thing with it because you're yeah. sometimes you're Galactus and sometimes you're Vision and sometimes you're this. And did, 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 did. Like why even try to do Ultron from Age of Ultron? But uh, yes, I agree with that point. This is the third podcast I've talked about this on this week. But, uh, so sorry to the two Jamie Jarek fans out there. But uh, I just, I, I don't care about any of the other voice changes, but but changing James Bader just doesn't work for me. It's And and, and I said this in the, in the past, I think part of it is that Ultron is a voice role. It's, it's that's what Ultron is. It's not yeah, we just, don't actually see a physical yeah. person. That's mm-hmm. true. I think it, that's part of it, but also it's just because it's James fucking Spader and, and he's a king. Uh, but uh, but other than that issue, I think this I think it, it, this was not my favorite episode. Party Thor is my favorite episode, but this is the best episode for sure. Uh, I can recognize the difference. Um, and uh, so uh, yeah, I, I I you know I right now I agree with the that I wish this would have come sooner. But the fact that this show is going to get more seasons, I think like down the line, as long as they keep doing it this way it'll be fine that it took this long because that's a normal first season thing, you know, get like, you know, it's like shows like Buffy did a lot of monster of the week before in the first season before they got really going. And then in in the scheme of things, that's fine. So as long as this continues, I'm going to be okay with how long it took, but if they go right back to it in season two and takes all season again, I'm going to be frustrated because I'm like you, I'm just like very on on the whole thing. I mean, that's, kind of how agents of shield even was it took us a while to get to that first big reveal and then we were in it for a decade and i defend Uh, the first season all the time because so but at the time i understand why it was frustrating and i'm going to be defending this first season the whole time because i am (laughs) enjoying it so much it is not look it's not as good as anything they've done in live action and I recognize that. And that is because it's not building to some grander scheme. We're not sitting here every week being like, Mephisto, and where is Loki going? And who was Sylvie? And who's the villain? And the setup, and the pop, 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 which I was after four, three seasons of television and a few movies this year alone, I was ready for something where I was like, I can just put my feet up and watch a person throw a shield and go home. I am, I'm tired. I'm ex- I did it for a decade of my life. I'm going to do it for another 20 years of my life. It was nice for a while. Just be like, superheroes are fun sometimes. We don't need- and now here we are being like, well, there's a bigger picture, you dumb <laughs> idiot, Blake. You thought we weren't going to do something giant, you fool. Uh, so here we are. I'm loving it. My favorite is still the third episode because I still think Hank Pym as a serial killer changed the genre of the MCU in a way we had never really done. And having like a murder mystery element to it was something cool. This is what what the people want though. This is the big galactic Easter egg hunt. Oh, he's eating a galaxy. Oh, that's giant throwing fists with the watcher, laser eyes, Kate. This is, this is what you go to the theater for. And I am here in like 2004 where I'm like, sometimes a story is fun. <laughs> but 
no, I still love this episode. I've loved all of it. I like that we get to see what other people would do with the Infinity Stones because I really think one of the lost opportunities was Thanos breaking them because I was like, but I want to see like, what does the Soul Stone do when it's just the Soul Stone? What can other people do with the Time Stone power, reality? We never really played with these rocks the way I was hoping we would and seeing Ultron who doesn't take any damage when he uses it. Skynet goes crazy. Really every step of this way was like my kind of nonsense. We're in a post-apocalyptic robot, what if Terminator 1 world. You got Jeremy Renner with one arm and a cloak. Great. They need an explanation. I'm like, cool, thanks. I'm I good. don't care where he got the invisibility yeah, cloak because this me. is all fake. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I loved that. I loved getting Skynet references, seeing the map overlay it. I was like, oh, we just saw Terminator in film at a theater, and I'm ready for some more Robo Wars. Bring it. Thanos just get destroyed. Just like, oh, all right, that was very easy. Cool. This is the new, like, contentious point on the internet. And I am an old man now where I'm not in classrooms being like, well, who would win, Cap or Spider Man? That was the big one at my GameStop. They were like, well, you know, he'd web his shoes. Well, then Cap would just jump out of his shoes and he'd fight without his baba. And I was like, I don't, I don't have the time for this anymore. Uh, this is a 30-minute, 40-minute cartoon. We just got to get through some of it. Right. But it is also a very simple thing when they're like, but why wouldn't Vision have done that? Because Vision's not a killer. He's not a murderer. And right. <laughs> they also had made this giant plan because they didn't realize you could do that, where I'm sure if someone was like, hey, uh, new plan. What if he comes to the portal and we just shoot him? About that. Because like Thanos is by all rhyme and reason not like a god anyways. Like right. really you could probably just shoot him in the head. He's just a tactician. So when he's right. coming into a world that has been annihilated, he's going to get annihilated. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that either. I thought it was funny. I, made me I thought it was probably, hilarious. Uh, it was, I, mean, I yeah, think there's too many things too serious about that kind of stuff. There are too many things that were happening in the, in the live action Marvel world for us to just take that easy road out. Uh, mainly, our Paul's part of that too is that Thanos is related family-wise to the people that we cared about where in this world no one gives a shit about Thanos. He's just a, a random being. How often have we explored like, but what if Superman was the bad guy? And it's like, oh, he would win. He would destroy That's everyone. the whole thing. Game or he would just correct the Leaning Tower of Pisa, because uh, that, that's what happens in, in Superman 3. <laughs> right. I think that's, I'll never get over that. Like, I, evil Superman, the first thing he decides to do to, when he's evil is is tip a building a little. To make it still a question how Richard Pryor wound up there, but yes, that is that is what happens. <laughs> but yeah, like we, we, we've answered this question the other way. Why do we have to now be like, oh, and it's like, yeah, totally, 100% they could have done this, but like, We've gotten even, to a Thanos point. Thanos even says it to Strange, but he's like, "You never used your time stone." Right. Like. Yeah, we've gotten to a point where people just can't enjoy stuff; they have to overanalyze everything, and that's that. That's annoying to me. I would hate to live in a world where I can't just be like this was just fucking fun. I'm in it. I mean, let's do it. It used to be part of the fun of like you'd read your comics, you'd go have lunch, you'd be like, "Oh, but like, what if Wolverine and Superman fought? Who who would win?" And yeah. oh man, and then like. It's like I said, now I'm like, I'm at an older age where I'm like, I don't, it's all good. I'm going to buy a Sega and a Nintendo because I have an income. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded very privileged of me, but you know, you have to realize in the nineties, we had a lot more money than we have now. 
I don't have multiple systems anymore. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I liked uh, seeing the Watcher fight. I'm very excited to see now that we're just going to do what he does in the comics for a watch who's like, I'm not supposed to interfere, but I'm going to do it. But like, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, we're going back to evil Doctor Strange who's just been sitting in a prison of loneliness, which I how love broke, that. How broken is that man? Yeah, that's going to be fun. I mean, you know, and now like we're back in it. Now I'm like, okay, so what is it going to be? The Watcher's going to assemble this team. And in an episode, I thought we had more, but COVID made episode 10 go into season two, which either means giant cliffhanger right. or we're going to have two episodes in one. Because I was like, I want to see him assemble this team in a whole episode and then the final fight. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe Kang's going to show up and beat Ultra or we're just going to have these Guardians. This also tells me that, like, yeah, next season is just going to be, like, Captain Carter Episode 2, T'Challa Star-Lord Episode 2. We're just going to... These are the nine worlds we're going to play with. And we'll maybe add a few here We'll add a couple here and there. Yeah. Uh, But I think it's great. It's fun. We've got one more left, and then we have a long break until Christmas Hawkeye time, which is also going to be fantastic. Yeah. But of course, that's not the only thing we're here to talk about, guys. Let's go back in time, first to 1989, then 2004, and then 2008, in what is going to be the most boring version of Back to the Future you've seen. Uh, (laughs) Nothing too important happened in 1989. I was born, as was the feature film The Punisher. Back when New World Entertainment, who we've talked about many, many times, owned the rights to Marvel, Made the first movie, nothing very exciting or interesting. They simply made a Punisher film and then didn't have money to theatrically release it in the United States, which is a lot sadder than it is interesting. (laughs) There's no story to that. They were just out of money. We have no money. I don't know that that's ever happened again in the history of movies, but here we are. They then would sell the rights to Live Entertainment, a company that would eventually be called Lionsgate, which is very ironic because they just didn't keep the Punisher license. Another company called Artisan Entertainment did in the year 2000. They acquired the rights to 15 characters for TV and film, including our first Punisher. The interesting part about this movie, we talked about a few episodes ago, somebody at New Line once said to Marvel, just do it yourself. You don't need us. Go make movies. This is the first time they were an independent release as an equity owner, meaning that they would contribute characters and creative support to lower budget movies in exchange for a financial stake, financial stake in the negative cost, which for those who don't know is the net expense to make a movie sans release. So really they just got to go make some really cheap stuff. So cheap, in fact, that the first director for the first Punisher movie noticed that he was given $33 million to make his movie. The average budget for an action film at that time was $60 million. He was also given 52 days to make the movie, half the time it usually takes to make an action movie. So that was the world they were living in at the time. During the middle of production, Lionsgate bought Artisan and had nothing to do with this Punisher movie, though their logo is all over it. As if they Everywhere. had something to do with it. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you buy something and then put your bumper sticker on it? Yeah. Who cares if you had nothing to do with it? Immediately after the release of the movie, Lionsgate said, we're making another one. It took them a long time to get the script right. Thomas Jane just said it wasn't working. He didn't like the script. He leaves in 2007. 
They bring in Lexi Alexandra. They're going to now do it a reboot. They've got a new actor. They don't care about the first one. We're going to make an 80s movie fun time. And that's pretty much it. This is the same year that Iron Man was released. So after we talk about our thoughts on this movie, it's going to be interesting to be like, where we were in 2004 and 2008, we've talked about in other episodes that the Punisher just kind of stands next to all of that as it happens, almost influencing more things like Deadpool and R-rated movies and the Netflix world. But we will get to that in a minute. What do you guys think of these, 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 this trilogy of the errors? Punisher trilogy. Made? <laughs> um, it's funny. The, so Punisher, Frank Castle is one of my favorite characters period if i'm doing a top five ranking he's in my top five um i love him i, I think w- it's interesting if you think about it he's the only character single character not a group like x-men or, or, or fantastic four but he's the only character that has had multiple uh single marvel characters had multiple live action attempts outside of spider-man like he's the number two person who's had that, as many attempts three three live actions in a television series which is incredible and a lot of that is because well one it's easy to make these type of films like oh it's a simple revenge film i can go ahead and tack my name put marvel across that it's a built-in audience and two revenge films typically sell they're always an easy way to do it the budget can stay low uh the 89 film i have a love hate with i think Dolph Lundgren's fun it has absolutely nothing to do with the Punisher outside of saying that it's the Punisher (laughs) he's fighting the Yakuza you're like sure okay I don't know why that is. Terrence, I spent most of my life just thinking that that was a movie called The Punisher and had nothing to do with this franchise. You didn't know it other than hearing him say, oh, you're Frank Castle? Cool. Nothing else resembles anything close to The Punisher in there. Um, But I I owned it because I was like, oh, I I was a sucker for those old 80s revenge films. I'm like, yeah, this this fits into that wheelhouse. Cool. Um, But it's not, it doesn't, it's a good movie, but it's not a good Marvel film. It's like a good revenge flick if you ignore the fact that it has nothing to do with that. The 2004 Thomas Jane one is the first time that I walked out of the theater and I was just like, something's wrong. And I first time that I noticed tone and tone in the movie was didn't mesh with what they were saying and what was happening in there didn't mesh with what I, what was actually happening on the screen. Like his his family being murdered seemed odd happening on like a Miami on a beach. It just was like this doesn't seem like this fits in correctly. Or like the fight sequence that he has with Kevin Nash playing the Looney Tunes, like that operatic song behind that. It's like something is jarring with the two of these don't mesh. And that happened throughout the entire film that I walked away. It was like, I don't know. Thomas Jane and John Travolta are in two completely different movies. Um, and I don't know if at any point in time in this film did they realize that these don't work together. Work together. Um, and I typically like John Travolta. I know Jamie's going to speak about how much she loves John in a second, but it, this... I don't know what the hell this movie was. There was a lot of stuff happening together that just didn't make sense. I also didn't like the fact, as a person who was a Frank fan, I know Frank doesn't play with his food as much as they had They had the Punisher playing with them as long. He would have killed him. Like, I'm, I'm not going to set you up to play these long con games. I'm going to shoot you in the face and then this is going to be over with. But they had him setting up people to do these games and it just didn't make, it didn't drive the character. Warzone, I actually really enjoy. Um, I like it a lot. It is incredibly violent um but it is one of the few films that i think sort of gets to some of the emotionality of uh, of uh, of uh, frank when he, he makes a mistake if anyone hasn't seen he makes a mistake and kills an fbi agent who's undercover and his whole thing is like i i gotta quit i'm done like i the one person that i'm i'm doing this all for 
is for this. And I was like, oh, there's some emotionality here. And it's gruesomely violent. Dominic West is chewing up scenery uh, as, 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 as Jigsaw. We get Doug Hutchinson, who was in The Green Mile, was one of the worst, <laughs> the worst human beings humanly possible. He shows up as Louis Ben Jim. And there's just some fun characters. His use of colors is great. It's super violent. Uh, I dig it. And it's one of the first times that I think we actually see Marvel Knights on any of the opening sequences of these Marvel films. I, I wish this film had done better. Uh, I know Lionsgate really didn't know what to do with this film. Like they had, they almost removed Lexi from it once they got the post. They didn't know if they wanted to make it a PG-13 or R. They dumped it into December, which was one of those weird, that's where Oscar films come out. So it's definitely not going to make any money there. You don't so think it, this was an Oscar-worthy film? No, <laughs> not at all. It's a fun film, but it is far from an Oscar-worthy film. Um, Maybe the Oscars could use a little more fun. <laughs> we got to so get is, those kids watching I think Dominic West gave an Oscar-worthy performance. He was having you could tell that Dominic West was having a bowl in this movie um and Dominic and and, and uh, I just said we're both having fun I like Ray Stevenson I think Thomas Jane probably cared more about the role of Punisher he was just in a, the worst film I I but I think Ray Stevenson I can take or leave him you can at the way that Warzone is done you could put anybody in that role that the way that Ray performed it and it would have been fine I just think the movie as a whole is just more fun and entertaining than than than, than the 2004 one um, I like the, sh the live action Netflix show, but we'll talk about that in a bit. For me, uh, I had never seen any, before this week, any Punisher content other than I saw the 2004 movie in theaters because John Travolta's in it. Uh, I had never seen any episodes of, of John because uh, I hadn't watched Daredevil season two or Punisher. Uh, so I, I know the basics of the character, uh, but I'm not... A, I haven't read any comics. Like it's definitely a, a, a weak spot for me. So uh, I watched all three movies in a row one night. Uh, mm. what, what an intense evening. That's a uh, lot. I loved, 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 loved the John Lundgren movie. First of all, I, so previously, like I've seen every Expendable movie a million times. I've seen Rocky Four, but that's really it for me and Dolph. I've never, and, and this is like my first time I just watched this movie called Dark Angel that he's in, which is really a bizarre cop meets aliens movie. Uh, and one, I'm realizing that he was hot back then. Uh, and I'm really, I'm excited to watch more of his stuff. I got I mean, two, I, I got two character. random films for you. Uh, okay. One, Universal Soldier, you have to watch. Okay. You do have to watch. Didn't we and do Universal? No, we didn't. Did not. And equally as off the mark as Punisher, Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Okay, I'm sure I'll love that. Is, is just um, batshit crazy. Yeah. But continue. So I, I'm so, like, you know me, I love 80s action. It's it's one of my favorite genres. So even though, yeah, this is not really a Marvel movie, it's still my kind of movie. And just slapping the name Marvel on it makes it even more fun for me. Uh, so I loved every second of that. It is definitely superior to the two movies that followed. I blocked out the 2004 movie severely. And that is because, yes, I consider myself John Travolta's biggest fan in the universe. John Travolta once said to me, you're my new biggest fan. Uh, this is a fact. So uh, I, um, that movie is, I, I off, Dark Phoenix is my least favorite Marvel movie, but The Punisher 2004, I think, is the worst Marvel movie. <laughs> it is 
bad. The, you you nailed it, Terrence, with the tone thing. The tone is all over the place. Being from Sarasota, Florida, I love that it took place in Tampa. It was so bizarre. Um, that was a trip. Uh, but Thomas Jane, yeah, I don't don't think he knew what he was doing. I know enough about the Punisher to know that like these weird games he's playing don't make any sense. He tricks John Travolta into thinking his gay best friend is having an affair with his wife, and we spend so much time on that. Who cares? I mean. Yeah, I, you'd think that it would help me to have this weird gay Travolta plot. It does not. I There was no point to this. There were barely any, like, good, memorable kills. And isn't that the friggin' point? Uh, I just, wow. I thought this movie was absolute garbage. And, I, and, and the fact that Travolta couldn't save it for me is, that means a lot, audience members, that, that how bad. It, it really does. Is. If you don't know, like, Jamie's <laughs> mark for John Travolta is really high. If she's not effing with this, there's a lot going wrong. Wow, it's bad. Um, and the 2008 was a bit of a step up. Uh, I it had some great kills, some really fun kills. I loved Dominic West. Oh my gosh, any villain role like that where someone is just having so much fun, and like I, I'm in it a hundred percent. The as a movie overall, I didn't really like it. I. I thought it was kind of all over the place I, I thought it was paced weird um and Ray like you said Ray was fine I think I I, I yeah. liked him more than Thomas just because he, he was given like a tiny tiny bit more to work with yeah. um but ultimately the movie was pretty forgettable but still way more I would watch it again twice before I'd I go ever to sit War Zone. yeah I go to yeah. Warzone way before I go into that 2004 yeah um, it's, it's still, again, didn't, didn't really like it, but it had at least some redeeming qualities, which is more than we can say about the 2004 movie. Uh, so, but I really enjoyed this journey and like getting to, uh, and you know, I did a little research, learning a little more about the character, learning why most of these are not correct. Uh, and so, uh, but I'm mainly just glad that the Dolph movie's in my life now, because that will be a revisit for sure. So, oh, and I also, yeah, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about John, but I did watch the first episode of The Punisher just to get an idea. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, even, I even just the one episode, I'm looking up because it, it's still possible. It's, it's yeah, paused on um, my screen. <laughs> yeah, um, you can, I mean, he's superior to everyone, even just as an actor. Uh, that's helpful. But just, you can tell the character makes more sense. It is funny, though, like watching four Punisher things in a row, like how many dead wife flashbacks we have to sit through. Oh, they I mean, killed, yeah. it's funny. I mean, we always laugh about like Bruce's parents being murdered and Spidey's uncle being murdered, but they've killed a lot of Frank's, Frank's wives. Mm -hmm. And like his kids' numbers sometimes change. change. Just one son, two kids, three kids, his whole oh, yeah. family. That's another thing about the 2004 his Punisher. Whole the family they shot up his one. whole family reunion. He's like, it starts with mom. And then they fucking kill us. Every, Everybody. Like, his his third cousins are getting murdered. Like that was so dumb. I could like they that whole first thirty minutes they spent on that. I was like, oh my god, that we'll was way everyone. too. I rightly expected the dog to just run out there and like, oh, shoot the fucking dog too. Let's do it. They really beat uh, Game of Thrones to that red wedding. I mean, <laughs> it, that's just what it is. But that's easily my favorite of the flashbacks. That's the variant Punisher that I want to see, but without the rest of that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The 1989 one is fine as a 1989 Dolph Lundgren film. 
it's perfectly fine and I enjoy watching it. I don't have anything else to add to the 2004 conversations. I just don't care about that movie. <laughs> I, remember, I remember seeing it with my parents because like the Punisher is such an interesting character because he's like, he's broken through just like comic book fandom. Like everyone knows the Punisher and that skull and when it's used right and when it's used wrong. And like, it was a character that my parents were excited to see. And that ending where he's like on the bridge and he's like, so if you're out there, murderers, rapists, I'll find you. And I remember my mom leaving just, all three of us being like, what was that ending? What tagline is this? What it, like, like it was, it was so like what people think like Batman does at the end, but in this like Shakespearean bizarre way. Which they had not earned from anything else that happened in that no, film. No, <laughs> it's so weird. The yeah. tone is all over the place. I like Warzone. I think it's a I great mean, bombastic yeah. action-packed time. I don't care about anything else. But that does bring us, we haven't talked about the Netflix stuff at all because outside of like the universal TV era, I kind of felt that this was part of the MCU that we were getting to. But I think one interesting thing that this character proves once he gets into the Daredevil show and his own show is how some characters can almost work as an antagonist to another character to like push them forward, which is something the MCU started doing a lot. Ironically, all in the same year. We had Batman versus Superman, Civil War, and Punisher season, or uh, Daredevil season two, all of which were dealing with like heroes fighting each other and also the world responding to them. Mm -hmm. And having the Punisher in that, the same way in the Marvel Civil War comics, having a character who is just like, no, you're all wrong. Kill them. And then the villains are gone forever. Really helps characters like Daredevil, Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, like forge into who they are and like challenge that point of view. You Watching, get a, You get a stronger sense of their ideology with Frank being on the opposite side of that. Like just watching that scene of him and Daredevil on the roof of like, well, you hit him and they come back and I hit him and they stay down was the biggest like, oh, he's making very good points. He's but not wrong. <laughs> it was, and it also shows, I think, that characters like that that are complicated. We've now seen three film versions of them. One of them is just like an 80s movie before we really did Marvel. But as we talked about around 2004 was when Marvel said, we have to do these characters the way they are in the comics. And the 2004 movie speaks to that more. But I think this is a character that we learn in the Netflix shows needs that like time to cook. Otherwise you do kind of end up with a vengeful war zone fun, which is great. I love a good violent action movie, but like there's so much more to Frank Castle and the Punisher and that idea that like a two hour movie can really pull off. Yeah, there's a lot of meat on the bone of Frank Castle and the series do a good job of, of giving all of that. But in the film, you're either going to get, I'm just a straight murderer and I'm killing you all, or you're going to get, I'm moping and drinking a bottle of whiskey the entire time, Frank. And there's more in between that and layers to that. But in film, you're right, it's so short. Like we gotta get in and get out. We're gonna pick and choose which battle we take for this. Right, and I, I think part of the problem that almost all three Punisher movies have had is that they've tried to do all of them at once, which was a mistake that a lot of early comic book movies made because the comic book medium, like TV, 
goes on and on and on. They're soap operas. They never really stop. And so once we started really getting Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, all these characters that we won't have time to get into on this show, we really got to see like, oh, not only are these like R-rated mature dark stories interesting, when you put them in this medium instead, they really hit home and they hit harder than anything we get in the other movies. And now I feel like we're in this weird world where like all of those characters are like, what's gonna happen? Where do we, we want put that them? season four of Daredevil, but we haven't gotten an R-rated MCU property, but also these were stories that like flirted with the MCU. Like they were mm-hmm. they were like the girl next door for them, where they were like aware of it and they gave everybody cute nicknames. Sending but they flowers, weren't gonna go over. But I'm not acknowledging, yeah, I'm not acknowledging you. Like I saw your DMs, but I'm not I'm not yeah. responding back to you. Uh yeah, that that's what sucked. And that, and that is what's fright like scarier. Cause I also rewatched all of these. Uh, in this time and I sat there kind of sad when they were all over like crap where do these go now like how do we get these now like that Marvel's Knights local made me giddy and I'm like I won't see that again I think hopefully we'll just get back to like it was Miramax right that was Disney's R-rated label for a long time like it might be time now that they own 20th Century Studios to make something of that and give us some sort of r-rated marvel world that does play with these characters but like i don't think you're cutting off an audience i think there's clearly every other week these characters trend on twitter with people being like matt murdoch's going to be in spider-man jessica jones is going to be over here and and moon knight's going to have punisher in them and blade's going to be r-rated and they're all going to hang out in this r-rated world and deadpool's coming so like clearly people are jonesing for this right and I'm wondering if maybe they use Deadpool sort of as that that gateway to just test the test the audience and like, all right, this is going to be R-rated. Maybe we should create a lane for just that stuff, like the Ghost Riders, the Blades, the Moon Knights, just put there. It can still be connected. We can flirt back and forth when they're in a the Disney Disney protocol or Disney stuff. We have to kind of soften it a little bit. But when they're doing their own thing, they can be as buckwild as they want to. I think that's the world they should play in. I hope we get that. I just I'm afraid we might not. I don't it's think also, which is a bummer, like the, just the Disney of it all. Uh, like Kevin Feige, thus far has made, has said they're only interested in doing their and doing Deadpool yeah. rated R. But you know, who knows? There was a time when we didn't think Spider Man would be in the MCU. You know, who anything's possible. Yeah, I've so far been proven wrong on every single like. Well, Sony's not going to budge. You think, spoiler alert, Venom's going to make it into the MCU. I've <laughs> constantly been just... Yeah. <laughs> it's not even worth listening to me, but I'm like, they're never going to... Are you getting me? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon confirmed? Never happening. <laughs> and there's going to... Tomorrow, now that I've said that, they'll be like, it's coming. Colson's it's coming. back. They better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows? So it'll be interesting to see, but we're also kind of seeing the first um, time... And in the superhero cinematic history where people wanted to get connected. We're in 2008 with this last Punisher movie. And from here on out, like the Ghost Rider movies kind of get ignored. They don't like, no one really focused on them or talked about them. Every like Marvel's back to kind of collecting all their pieces again. And the Fantastic Four reboot gets kind of ignored. Everything that's not mm. interconnected is starting to be like, well, why isn't it connected? Why does it Spider-Man exist? reboots. Yeah. Unless you're X-Men, which have had that history before, 
we're now in the MCU world where they're like, I, why would I go see this Punisher movie? It's not going to connect to me. And I always feel like X-Men was sort of a self-contained world, even within Marvel. They sort of always sort of did their own thing and had like 17 different spinoff comics within their own stuff. Like Gambit had his own thing and Bishop had his own thing. And Wolf. like, that's just sort of how they always operated outside of the rest. So that's just par for the course. But yeah, it's interesting because this, I mean, obviously we talked about Warzone came out the same year as, as Iron Man. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't Which is die. also the same year as The Dark Knight. And we haven't right. talked a lot about DC movies, but this is also a movie now that came out when like every, the rules of the game changed. In, 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 between Iron Man and The Dark Knight, the bar for superhero movies forever switched. Leaped up, yeah. And you know that's just where we are so it's interesting because i don't know how much these punisher movies affected the mcu in any way that we had already talked about but it's interesting to look at because he does sort of operate almost like next to everything so i feel like it would be very easy for them to do more with this but you know disney likes money so i'm sure they'll figure out something to do with it they're not they're not going to go get all their characters back to not use them it's not like there was an infinity stone that thanos is like i just want to have it yeah of punisher all, was literally trending yesterday yes it, of right. all their r-rated properties the punisher the logo the name of frank Castle alone is enough they're like hey maybe we should try this again because we're going to make money well, it's also, it's like we said, I want to see these characters' ideologies get challenged. Civil War was fun because we pushed Cap and Iron Man into these corners of like what they really believe in. And once you get the Punisher on the board, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be, who is this guy? Is yeah, he a villain? Like, is he good? Is he bad? You know, we've talked about it sometimes when like the Punisher hangs out with the rest, like in Civil War and Cap is like, I don't like this kid. This guy should not be around us at all. I want to see some of that because part of me agrees with what Frank is talking about. But part of me is like, man, Steve might be right. We should murder everyone. We might just ask a question. Well, and it's also fun to see the characters he respects. Like he likes Captain America a lot. It's like, oh, I just can't do it the way he does. It. Right. Like I, but I wish I could. Like he's the best of us. And I'm like, these are the interactions I want to start seeing where they, they are some people who are like, no, I just can't. That's not who I am. Right. But who knows? Maybe one day we'll get there. I didn't think we were going to see some sort of Ultron with a chest of Infinity Stones flying through worlds. One of them might have been Mustafar. Who knows? I doubt <laughs> it. It wasn't. But wouldn't that be fun? I do uh, like that idea. Uh, that, oh, look, I mean, I've, been saying, I've said forever that I'm like, oh, I don't ever need to see Star Wars and Marvel crossover. But I also really want to see you Marvel gave it and Star me. Wars. Yes. <laughs> if you gave yeah, me an I'm animated... Right. What am I going to do? Not watch it? They're getting my $7 a month. It doesn't matter. Here's the Star Wars Marvel crossover for you. I like yeah, it. I'm in it. <laughs> it, would, uh, it would be great. But that's our show, guys. So if you enjoyed listening, uh, hit subscribe to your podcast app or YouTube, wherever you are. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking and feeling and how you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis at this moment. We want to know. But if you're going to do that, you should also leave us five stars because then we'll feel great. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics. We, of course, have the other Hollywood already did a show about reboots, remakes, sequels, and adaptations, which if you're here listening, the Venom Carnage episode should be up right next to this one on Monday. And Jamie is, of course, on Phase Zero at comicbook.com where you can read her review of Venom to Let There Be Carnage. Terrence is everything else on our Hollywood Already Did It YouTube channel, the trailer reactions, reviews, and everything else. 
Talks, and we will see everybody next week for the last episode of the Marvel movie history before the next Marvel pair up, because this apparently will never end. It's a thing. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, until we've talked about every possible genre of movie. <laughs> we will see everybody next week. <laughs>